ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Dylan Young Show. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Dylan, and I am here on the debut, the first episode of the Dylan Young Show uh, here on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. It's going to take me a you know, a while to get used to saying 22, be writing 21 on my checks, on my dates, everything. I scribble down the date. It's it's going to take a while. It always does. But I uh, just wanted to go ahead and get this first podcast out here. And uh, my very first guest on the show, I'm excited about this one. Um, I had a previous podcast a few years ago that never really kind of went where I wanted it to. So doing a little reboot here with the Dylan Young Show. And uh, me and this uh, particular individual have talked in the past about possibly getting together and doing a podcast, talking a little bit of, uh, you know, sports concepts, uniform designing, uh, graphic design, sports media, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, so without any further ado, I have my buddy Peter Belgard on with me. Uh, Peter, what's going on, man? What's going on, Dylan? Oh, not much, man. Just... uh, you know, just up late at night, about 15 till. It's almost January 2nd, so I, st- I got that January 1st uh, podcast in there, New Year's Day podcast, by the skin of my teeth. But uh, anyways, uh, just out here in the garage, it's a little cold outside. I think it's like, what, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 degrees. That's that's really cold to me, Peter, but where you're from, uh, that's not. it's about another day for you, huh? Yeah, I think the last time I checked the temperature, it was about like negative four. That was like five in the five in the evening. So Whew. I'm pretty sure now it's probably like negative twenty. And it's it's is it North or South Dakota that you're originally from? I always forget. I am originally from Aberdeen, South Dakota, which is the hometown of Josh Heupel. Um, but my tribe is located in North Dakota. And and what's your tribe, Peter? I am uh, half. Spirit Lake Sioux and half San Alfonso Pueblo out of New Mexico. Man, that's that's really that's really cool, dude. And so, like, you know, um, I don't know a lot of you guys out there listening. Um, I'm sure many of you probably know that you know I'm from Anadarko. It's my hometown. Uh, you know, has a very strong uh, Native American um, culture scene, all that good stuff. It's a very unique place. Um, and so, uh, Peter is. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go into the sports and everything, but now, you know, kind of since we're talking about, you know, like your, your Native American ties and all that. So, like, how different is, like, the culture and things like that when it comes to, you know, the Native American-centric scene and everything here as opposed to, you know, up north where you're originally from? It's different because down here you have a tribe that's maybe 7 to 15 miles you know, to the next one up north, it's about a good couple hours to the next tribe. So I don't really interact when I'm back up north. I don't really interact with a lot of the different tribes except people from my own. So taken from being up there and then moving down here, it's a big cultural shock. And plus, you know, the dialect, too, of how everybody talks. I'm so used to hearing kind of a northern accent. But once you come down here, everybody has more of a southern, like a draw to them. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And so, so, so basically, kind of what you're saying in a roundabout way is like down here, um, just g- from a geographic standpoint, from where actual like tribal headquarters and things like that are located, they're they're a lot more like 
um, frequent or closer together down here and not so spread far apart. Yeah, basically, because you look how it is. Like the Delaware Nation is literally north of Anadarko, and it's basically a stone's throw away south as the Wichita tribe. And then, of course, you got the Apaches here in Anadarko. And then you go west to Carnegie, there's the Kiowas. You go to Apache, there's Fort Sill. So basically, everything is a day's drive, you know, or maybe a good hour's drive to every one of them compared right. to back up north. Right, right. And so, man, that's just really cool stuff. And like, that's what's, that's what's pretty wild about it is like, you know, like I said, I'm from Anadarko and uh, grew up here my whole life, very aware and, you know, semi knowledgeable of, uh, you know, a lot of the Native American culture and customs and everything like that. And it's kind of funny because, like, I don't have a speck of Native blood to my knowledge. But, uh, you know, it's just one of them deals, like, I'm just very, uh, you know, like I said, knowledgeable about it, respectable about a lot of the culture. And, um, yeah, I used to do uh, PR work for the Delaware Nation that you just spoke of. But I don't want to go, you know, get too far off topic, but it's actually a good segue, you know, speaking of the Native American ties and everything, because... Peter um, actually helps us out with Warrior Nation Media Group, which is um, for um, the Anadarko Warriors, and uh, that's uh, that's where Peter and I reside now as an Anadarko, and uh, myself, my dad, and a few others have been running cameras, doing, you know, I've been doing some graphic design, this and that, just on a voluntary basis for Anadarko, and Peter, has, and Peter and his girlfriend have been helping out a lot doing um, you know, kind of like the score updates via Facebook and Twitter and, um, working uh, hard to try to figure out a way we can get a camera in Peter's hands in the future. If Peter wants, if you want to do that and, uh, yeah, so, that'll work. <laughs> so what, so what did you think about that, man? Do you, you, you enjoy kind of being more part of it? Like, uh, the, the Anadarko football games in particular, where you kind of tweet the scores and all that. It's exciting, and it's kind of like an adrenaline rush because you're on one end of the field trying to type out one score, then something happened the next play, and you're having to hurry up and run on the other end and having to type out the score there. But what I like to do nowadays, um, you know how people wait out for your the videos you produce, so the highlights, I always like to go live to show people the scores, just like how you see on TV, you know, give, give the people that are watching on Facebook the, the chance to see the scoring drives of what happens instead of having to wait on, you know, just score update. Absolutely. And, and you have quickly, it's funny cause you've quickly found out how passionate um, and impatient the Anadarko fans are when it comes to, uh, you know, instant information and being spoiled because I know that you was telling me like, you'll be going live and showing things and, you'll just point the camera at the scoreboard to show the score. And then like literally someone will tune in and be like, what's the score? I haven't seen the score. Yeah. And I had to start doing that because some of the videos I would, you know, put out, you get somebody you say, what's the score. So then I started commentating, which started during the McLeod game between me and your dad started doing that to where it was like, okay, well let's just tell people the score you know, even during the video, so that way people know, hey, here's the score. Right, right. And, man, I sure I sure hope that people appreciate it. I know for a fact that, you know, most people do. But, um, you know, it's 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 something that you don't have to do. It's something we don't have to do. Um, it's I just take a lot of pride, you know, in my hometown, in my alma mater, um, Anadarko grad back in the day. I'm not going to date myself or age myself and tell you guys when I graduated, but I am getting old. Um, 
And so, yeah, man, Peter, we really appreciate, you know, you and your girlfriend helping us out. Like I said, um, just hope in the future that, you know, we can possibly get a camera in your hands and do some more. And real quick, I want to do a real quick shout out to Shelby Jones, a.k.a. Breeze and the uh, APS IT staff uh, for, you know, always live streaming the games, um, you know, Anadarko Public Schools YouTube channel, which I know is greatly appreciated by many, including myself, whenever I can't make it to the game. So uh, anyway, so enough about Warrior Nation, man. Um, so, Peter, t tell, tell the people kind of what you do for a living, what you do for work. I, well, the position is kind of hard to describe it, but basically I'm a production operation manager slash designer slash embroiderer for a business that I run called Dirt Road Graphics, which is a whole, a whole business owned by the Delaware Nation. And so, so you wear many, 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 many hats, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like you probably, uh, you might, you get a little overwhelmed sometimes, or how? I mean, what, what, what do you think overall the job? Yeah, um, there's days, um, sometimes even, sometimes during a week that I get overwhelmed to where it's like, okay, I got to stop doing certain jobs because I, get, I don't want to get burnt out. And especially when it comes to having to sit there and design a new shirt or anything different, it's like, okay, I got to step away. I got to breathe because I don't want to get burnt out to the point where I don't like my job. And it, it gets to that point sometimes. And man, I hear you because that's like, that's a real deal is whenever you're, you know, a creative, uh, a creative person, um, especially that you know designs you do artwork and graphics and things like that for t-shirts and apparel like whenever you get to the point where you're having to force it like really force it like man I need to make a new design and I'm forcing this and it doesn't come natural then it's kind of uh it's it always doesn't come out the best or it, I can't I can't speak for you Peter but that's kind of my experience with it and being, you know whenever you're designing things I found that like a lot of times It'll be like one or two in the morning, and I'll be sleeping, and then boom, this light bulb just goes off my head, and I think of this idea. And so, um, it's it being being a creative and, and designing and things like that. It's kind of one of those deals where it's like I said, you just it just can't be forced. It's like you're either feeling it or you're not. Yeah, and it's the same way, like how you described it, because there have been some designs I've I've. Uh people have asked me for and I've had to hurry up and make it and then I sit there and I look at it and I'm like I'm not happy with this but the time frame doesn't give me enough to actually you know play with the design and you know actually make it to where I I think it's look, looks good um and it's come that way with a few custom orders uh especially somebody who wants the things done like well I need it done like two days from now okay well one that gives me so less of a time to get it done but also it, it doesn't make me feel good knowing that I said I made something and I don't like the way it looks. I mean, the people may like it, but I don't like the way it looks. Right. And that's, and that's something that's tough to balance too. I know exactly what you're talking about firsthand because, um, I do a lot of, you know, um, logo design and then like, you know, people hit me up to do like invita invitation design for their kids' birthdays and, um, used to do websites a lot, but I don't take websites on anymore because they just, they're so time consuming. But getting back to what you're saying, like there have been so many times, Peter, and I'm sure you've 
probably experienced this yourself, but there have been so many times when somebody needs like a logo, let's just say a logo, and I'll like work so hard on it. And in my mind, I will completely knock it out of the park and think this may be the best logo I've ever done. And then I get it to the client and they're like, eh, it's all right, but it's really not what I was thinking. Then on in, on the other hand, there's been times where I really wasn't feeling real creative and I'm just kind of like, eh, here we go. This is what I came up with. I'll send it to them and they just freak out head over heels. Absolutely love it. So design is very funny in that way. At the end of the day, I guess it's kind of like what they always say. The customer is always right because that is who you are designing for but doesn't mean that you're always going to have to agree with what your client or customer wants. Yeah. And I've told customers that come in that want me to design something. I tell them, keep it simple. I'm, if it's going on a shirt, a hat, a shirt, like a polo, anything like that, I always tell them, keep it simple. The less colors, the faster it'll get done. The more detail you want me to put in it, the more it's going to take a while. For sure, man. And and being a designer myself, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it kind of took me a while to figure that out. Um, I used to do a lot of designs where I had a lot of gradient work in it and all these colors and how it's really busy. And then I figured, you know what, that doesn't really translate real easily and quickly to, you know, apparel, merchandise, stickers, t-shirts, um, all that stuff. So, and you have way more experience than me um, as far as, you know, apparel and and uh clothing production and things like that so uh yeah man I, i've seen a lot of your work and uh you do a great job man and i uh shoot i don't i don't care i i don't have any advertise advertisement money coming in or anything so man i'll just uh if you guys are around the anadarko area uh shoot and you need some work done want to as far as you know some Clothing apparel and embroidery and all that good stuff, hit Peter up. I guess that's okay if I plug that for you, Peter. You have a problem with that? No, no problem. Um, we're at Dirtwell Graphics, located at 605 West Georgia Avenue in Anadarko, Oklahoma. I am open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'm usually the main one there, so you ain't never going to see anybody new. It's always just going to be me. <laughs> and as I say, even though your hours are 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., that doesn't, I mean, you're there. I've seen your truck and I've seen you there. Like, I don't know. I've seen you there. It seems like at midnight, one o'clock in the morning at times. Yeah, a couple times, but those have been times where I've had to stay just to get the job done. But I try not to stay late, late too much. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. Your mind needs a rest for sure. But, uh, so, yeah, man, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, right when I was kicking it off, I kind of mentioned that, you know, you and I had, had talked about getting together for a podcast episode, and here we are. But um, I think kind of originally what you had mentioned, if I do remember correctly, was you kind of said you kind of wanted to possibly, you know, kind of talk about some uh, uniforms and uh, things like that, kind of maybe we can um, kind of talk about our preferences on the kind of uniforms that we like and the styles that we like so just be, just because i'm the quote-unquote host of this show um i'll just throw this out there man so the oklahoma sooners their rough rider uniforms that they've had for the past what's it been three Since to 20, 2014 2014 wow longer than i thought so how, how do you feel about those man and it's okay if we disagree on things that's what we're that's what we're doing this for 
loved them when Nike had control of it. I did not like the look Jordan did to it. Um, I liked the barbed wire font they had when from like 2014 or 2017. Once Jordan took over, they used the font that the Sooners use now. And to me, it just made it more basic. Right. Um, loved, I love the all red look. The one that unfortunately we lost to Iowa State in during Baker Mayfield's senior season. <laughs> I love the all red look. Um, the all cream look. Love that too. It, to me, I I get you know the the thing about keeping the uniform traditional, but I also get the fact that you know kids want something different. You know, it's not about what we want; it's about what the players are going to want. Right, right. And so, and that's the whole deal. Is I know we've kind of you know exchanged some words and everything, and talked about it a little bit. You know that I'm not a huge fan of them, and here's my deal, like. I'm not. I'm, I'm middle aged. Um, I like you just said. I completely understand that the kids, you know, what they like and what they want, what draws attention. And believe me, I do want to get the recruits. And if we have to have uniforms like that um, in order not to miss out on a recruit, I'm all for it. I guess. I guess kind of my problem with the uniforms is just from a superstitious standpoint. It seems like we never play that good in them. But then again what that probably is at the end of the day is just, OU. we've been pretty dang inconsistent over the past few years, right? Yeah, I like to blame the the guy that's out in California now about that. <laughs> the game, the, the guy that we will not mention his name, but everybody knows who we're talking about. Um, so yeah, well, like if you go on if you go on Twitter, they call him Tebow, but that's that's a, that's an Ackerman that I don't want to say on the show. <laughs> there you go, appreciate that. I I got the uh, show whenever actually when you make these uh, episodes, um, you have to mark whether you have explicit content or not, and so I try to keep it clean. I mean, if there's a you know an accidental cuss word or something thrown out here and there, it's not the end of the world. But that that's funny, man. I appreciate the effort on not uh, letting everybody know what that acronym means, even though. Uh, you hardcore OU fans out there listening right now, you know exactly what Tebow means uh, when describing old LR. I won't even say his name. But uh, so back to the uniforms. Um, you know, I, I would like to see another attempt at Oklahoma Sooner alternate uniforms. And I understand the the tie-ins with the Rough Rider thing in Oklahoma and the wood grain and all that. And, dude, they're not they're not horrible. They're not at all. I mean, and everything is subject to, to what a person likes. So when I say they're not horrible, that holds as much water as, as an oasis. Or not an oasis, but that holds as much water as, I don't know, a dry pond. I'm, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't hold any water because it's just my opinion. And uh, But my thing is, is like, if we're going to do like an alternate uh, uniform, just I would like to see something on the helmet besides the interlocking traditional OU logo. Let's either do the old school or the 90s OU logo, kind of the bubble italicized. You know what I'm talking You know what I'm talking about. Oh, the, the disco OU. Yeah, the disco OU. Or let's even try like a ghosted in Sooner Schooner or just plain helmets without anything on them to kind of be a tribute to what was that probably like the 50s when we had the white helmet with the red stripe and I know that they've done some stuff like that in the past too but I just kind of want to see like I I guess what I'm trying you know how it is Oregon's kind of the standard of these crazy all these alternate uniforms and so 
what I'm getting at is they might have a helmet with just the O on it, like, and then they have the helmet with the duck wings, and then they'll have, so what I'm getting at is I would like to see us get a little more creative when it comes to our lids, to our helmets, like, let's try something else, let's put a Sooner Schooner on it, or, I don't know, man, what are your thoughts on that, on the helmets? I think the thing about that is, is I don't think OU fans, even me, this is crazy for me saying that. I don't think we want to set the standards of being like Oregon or being like the team in Stillwater, having four different helmets every single game, right. trying, right. to, trying to be flashy. Because everybody knows what the OU is. You know, that's history, that's tradition, that's um, that's a blue blood. Um, I think that's what everybody wants is just to keep the OU on the helmet. You know, maybe you change it occasionally for a game or, you know, a special event or something. But to keep the simple crimson cream, you know, home jerseys, away jerseys, maybe throwing a dash of something. I think that's what everybody wants. I don't think anybody wants to be like what, you know, other teams are doing. I mean, just because you have flashy uniforms doesn't mean, you you know, you're going to win a lot of games. I mean, look at look at uh, OSU, you know, the one year they, they have all their fancy stuff and everybody thinks they won the national championship, even though they um, barely won the Fiesta Bowl. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, and that and that is a good point. Um, because I'm 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 pretty. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely leaning more towards the traditional side as far as like, you know, let's just keep things the way they are and keep it simple and all that. Don't mean to sound like an old timer, but I don't know, man. I think really the re my main reason, like I said, even though it may be totally wrong that I don't like the current uniforms that much or when we wear them is because, like I said, we tend to play poorly in them. But then again. I think that's more of uh, old T-Bowl's doing than it is the actual uniform. So it'll be interesting to see how long OU continues to um, use the um, alternate uniforms known as the Rough Rider uniforms. Um, or if they'll, at some point, it's like, boom, here's our new alternates. And we're going to rock these until we come out with some new ones. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. The thing about it is I don't like schools adding a color that's hard – that's not part of what they use. Could like, it agree with you more? Everybody wants a black uniform. No. I don't want a black uniform. Why? Explain to me good. Explain to me what Iowa State was doing wearing these all-black uniforms all the time. It's not in their color scheme at all. It drives me nuts. Uh, just like I said earlier, it's a jersey. It's a new jersey that attracts everybody, but you have to have a good, you have to have a good uh, school to pull it off right. I mean, Oklahoma State can pull it off because orange, uh, not orange, I'm sorry, black is part of their colors. Right. Well, they can pull it off. Ex- well, in, even if, like, in pr- pretty much every school in a roundabout way, white is part of your school colors. But, I mean, like OU, you know, the cream or whatever, like, OU could even, it would even make more sense for OU to have a whiteout uniform on the road than it does for Iowa State to have a blackout home uniform. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... And that's a whole nother thing, man. Um, Anadarko, not to shift gears really hard, but I, I don't know about you, and I know that gray is kind of a, a neutral, natural color, but gray is not a color in the Anadarko colors. And um, I don't know. I think some coaches in the past have fallen in love with the gray, and I'm ready to get back to a uniform to wear. It's basically just purple, gold, and white in the uniform. How do you feel about the gray? Don't like that dark gray. It's like a charcoal gray. I don't like 
Don't like it. Dude. I know Anadarko had the Under Armour uniforms that they used. It had that on there. But people need to realize that you need a good jersey that you can see, you know, your what colors are you? You know, everybody's going to assume that, oh, Anadarko is just purple and gray. No, it's purple, gold. And that's it. Right. Well, I mean, no, I know back in uh, back in the day, the girls basketball team had the black jerseys. Right. Now, from the story I was told, that was told that was um, they asked the coach, you know, what jerseys they wanted. And they said they wanted black. Well, they had to get approval from that. You know, if you have to do all that just to get a different color, you know, then that's too much of a hassle. If you want to stick with just straight all purple and gold, do that. Because that's what we used back when, when I was in high school. It was just strictly purple, gold, and your jerseys for the away game was white, but you had to have, like, purple pants. Right, right. And and see, that's the thing, man. Like, I do remember that, like, I don't know, oh, back, like, you're talking about those Anadarko Lady Warriors, when they had the black uniforms, that was, you know, that was probably, what, mid to late 90s and early 2000s. But, like, I remember there being a big, huge, like, black boom. Like, everybody wanting black uniforms. Even in, uh, when I played baseball my sophomore year, we had some uh, black jerseys that said Darko and purple outlined in white. And, I mean, we thought they were cool at the time. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm just – the older I get, I don't know what it is, but I'm just not a big fan of just adding even – I understand that black, white, and gray are pretty neutral colors that you can just pretty much add to anything, and they'll it'll work. But it does bother me. And then just from a simple contrast game for the poor, you know, uh, the radio announcers, the color guy, and all that up there doing the color and the radio call, it's it's hard for them to see those home Anadarko jerseys when it comes to the numbers because you have a purple jersey with dark charcoal gray, and yeah, there's a white or there's a you know gold outline. But that's still hard to see from up there in the press box. Thank you, because I I do not like the black pants. I I don't understand the black pants, you know, wearing them. I mean, I get it. It looks nice. But to me, I'm like, it just doesn't – you can't do nothing with it after a while. Like, if you go on the road, you're you're wearing, what, a purple helmet, white jersey, black pants. Right. It doesn't really scream – well, Anything me. I hear you, man. And in a perfect world, Anadarko would have a lot of money and they could have, you know, an, an athletic gold helmet, a purple helmet and a white helmet, have three pair of pants, same three, you know, athletic gold, white, purple, and same thing, and you, purple and white jersey or whatever. And you could mix and match that stuff. But you understand how, you know, how public schools funding and all that works. You can't really just pull that off. We're not Heritage Hall, Cash the Hall. And all that kind of stuff, Metro Christian with all this money, private school stuff, which that's a whole nother uh, thing to hop into at some point. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know about you. And we, we won't stay on Anadarko too much longer. I realize there's going to be a lot of audience out there that don't give a flip about Anadarko, so I don't want to just turn this into a completely Anadarko podcast. But uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know, Peter. I'm just um, I'd really like to see Anadarko change it up a little bit and go with some athletic gold. Uh, helmets like kind of like LSU. Not, I'm not saying like LSU's design, but that color of gold, not the Vegas gold, like actual the element gold, but the athletic gold. Yeah, like the kind of like the one that you designed. That was pretty cool. Right. Yeah, with just the same A that we have, but just let's switch it up a little bit and do the athletic gold. I, I, there's something about those athletic gold helmets that just really they like shine and pop out, man. I think they look sharp. I still want a, a white helmet with a purple face mask. That's what I want. 
Yeah, that then see that'd be cool too, man, to just change it all up and go all white because if you get a white helmet and then you wear, you know, white on the road, all white looks uh clean to me. Uh what do you think about that? Yeah, love it. Well, and here's what's crazy. So shifting back gears to college, let's do this. And I don't know if I've ever told you this before, and you may want to just reach through the phone and punch me in the face when I tell you this and then when I admit Uh-oh. this. Uh-oh. But as hard as this is for me to say, and I'm and I want to hear what yours is too, but my absolute favorite, most cleanest looking uniform in all of college football, if you put a true serum in me, no matter how much I completely hate and despise the team, Please I don't just say Alabama. No. I think that the all-white road uniforms for the university, I can't believe I'm going to say this, the University of Texas is a really good, clean, mean look. If you can take your the hate out of your heart, Peter, for the University of Texas, do you not agree with me that the all-white Texas road uniform is just a great classic look? No. Because <laughs> you can't take the hate <laughs> out of your heart. That's your problem. Can't do it. Can't do it. I <sighs> think... I think the all-time classic look when you think of um, like college sports in general, I think has to be either Ohio State, Scarlet, Gray, or Michigan with the maize and gold. Or yeah. the maize and blue, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you on the Michigan maize and blue. Here, here's my – dude, you you hit the nail on the head. You're absolutely right. You can't argue that the Ohio State uniform isn't a classic good look. But the problem – I don't know why it bugs me so much, but I'm just not a big fan of all the freaking stripes. Like on the Ohio State helmet, it's like got a red stripe and then a white stripe and then a black stripe. And like I don't know why, but that just really bug, bugs me. It's hard – to me in my mind – the I don't know. It's just I can't get in my mind. It's just a mess. It's too many colors for me. To me, uh, the helmet I would go to personally is the wing helmet from Michigan. Can't beat it. There's only them and Princeton that actually use the wing helmet in sports that are known D1 wise. Right. But with you, just from that point and then going all over the U.S. for college football on the highest level, you know. There's not that many schools that you can think of that it's like, that's the one I like the most. Right, right. Well, and so I actually know something pretty cool about the Michigan wing helmet, and you may or may not know this, but do you know where that shape came from, that wing and that weird shape? No, I don't, actually. So this is something I found out, and it's really cool. So... Way back in the day, like way back in the day when they were wearing, you know, some really thin shoulder pads and they had the leather, remember like the leather strap-on helmets with no face mask? Yeah. So way back in them days, the University of Michigan, the particular leather helmet that they were wearing, that that shape that you see that's painted, okay, so their helmets are, the what's it, maize the, or, or blue? Their helmets are blue, and that shape is in the maze, right? The yellow. Yeah. So what the deal was is they painted their leather helmets the blue because their colors were, you know, blue and maize. And then the actual padding that was stuffed in the helmet was was beveled and raised up off the leather, 
and when and they painted that, and that is the shape of the padding that was in the helmet. You get what I'm saying? I yes. never knew that one. That is absolutely the truth. And so you see what I'm saying? Like if you saw one of those per- if you saw one of those, you know, leather brown padded helmets that Michigan was wearing back in the day, if you didn't paint it, it would be on their head, but then the padding that rose up would be the shape of the yellow or the maze that's on their helmet. And so that's how that became a thing. And then so whenever they actually when technology advanced years later and they actually had these hard shell helmets when they're like, well, what are we going to put on our helmets? They said, dude, let's just make it look like our old leather helmets. That's the way they kept their tradition going. So I've always thought that was a pretty cool story. And then this is kind of getting a little off topic, but one other thing, uh, speaking of kind of some college football trivia, Peter, do you know how Bevo, you know, the Longhorn, the mascot at the University of Texas, do you know how he got his name Bevo? I think, as my memory is right, I think they had somebody put thirteen and zero, and they between those they added the B, made the dash E, added the V between the E and the uh, O, and then that's how you got Bevo. That's one hundred and ten percent correct. So who it was was it was Texas rival the Texas A&M Aggies that beat Texas thirteen to zero. And uh, so they, the Texas A&M Aggie students, they actually branded 13-0 into Bevo. And then just like you said, they attached the, the left part of the three to the one and made a B. Then they made an E out of the dash. They squeezed a V in between the dash and the O. And that's, that's how the Texas fans corrected it. So it wouldn't say 13 uh, to zero. It would say, you know, Bevo. So, man, college football is so awesome because – those are the types of traditions and the things that you get that you don't necessarily get, you know, in the National Football League. And I'm not sitting here bashing the NFL because I, you know, I like the NFL obviously too. But between the two, um, I always have been and forever will be more of a college football fan. Where where do you fall when it comes to NFL versus college football, Peter? College football to me has more of a prestige to it because every game matters. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the lowest school to even the highest school. Every game matters. In the NFL, you got, what, 18 weeks now? I mean, you can lose one game one week. You can make it up next week. Well, in college football, you know, like schools like what? uh, Who went undefeated? UTSA. They went undefeated. That was their main goal. And if you lose one game, it drops you down to – being basically unranked (laughs) right to me college football is always going to be above nfl i'm with you man and so just to kind of not necessarily play devil devil's advocate here but so that that's kind of a good segue to get into this talk so college football playoff right now as you know and everybody knows we got a four-team playoff um (laughs) those games were those two playoff games were horrible but that's not what i'm not here to talk about those two games but so playoff expansion are people worried that if we expand the playoff to a 16 team or 12 team or whatever the case may be I think some people are kind of worried that that might kind of diminish exactly what you just said you know the the whole like well every game matters well I to me personally I don't think so because here's the deal how many more teams are there in college football Peter than NFL teams 
You got, oh, jeez, with the conference realignment, adding more teams. There's probably like 130 Division One FBS schools compared to 32 NFL teams. And the thing about it is it's split in the NFL who's actually going to make the playoffs. Right. Who, who's going to basically be fighting for a number one pick. Exactly, because, you know, in the, obviously in the NFL you got your divisions. Where in college you're just basically going by a ranking system. And uh, I think – that's the whole deal, man. That's my, that's my point is the ratio here. So six, 16 teams may sound – 12 teams. Let's say 12 teams because that's kind of what you're starting to kind of hear the rumors is that they're looking at doing a 12 – expanding the college football playoff from four to 12 teams. But still, even 12 out of 100, over 100 schools, like are you kidding me? That's It's still not the easiest thing to make the playoff. And I'm really hoping that kind of what my, – on my, on my wish list for the college football playoff, and I'm – think this is pretty much probably where they're going to head as far as the way they're going to head is that I want to see it to where, you know, there definitely are some conference championship tie-ins to where, you know, your Big Tens, Pac-12, uh, Big 12, SEC, ACC. Um, I'm forgetting another one, I'm sure. But I want to see those conference champions get an automatic bid, even if you have two or three losses uh, into the college football playoff. And then – to me, Peter, being a big OU fan and us heading to the SEC, playoff expansion couldn't come fast enough because even though I love OU and I wear OU boxer shorts or whatever, don't really wear them, but it's, you know, you guys know what I'm saying. It's a, I'm just saying, like, I love OU. Um, we all know, if you put a true serum in us as OU fans, that we're going to be doing dang good to be winning a conference championships. If we win, if we win three, Every decade, I th- I say we're doing really good in the SEC. If we, but in reality, we may win one. We may win none a decade. And so my point here is that um, if we have playoff expansion and say OU just misses out on making the SEC championship game, they still may be able to squeeze in, you know, 12, 11, 10. What are your thoughts on that, man? To me, I see where everybody is worried about you know kind of being like a lackluster year but look at this year you know you had two losses and if we really want to to do the what if game yeah we would have missed the playoff i get it people don't want the expansion in the playoff just because you're you may have a good year you may have a bad year but you might get in but to me you know if if the lower division can do it have a Shoot, they have like a 24-team playoff. They can do it. I'm pretty sure, you know, the FBS level can do it. As for moving and winning championships, you know, I get the point, you know, to win your conference, then to me that should be the main goal for the regular season so you can have like a first-round bye. You can have the advantage of seeing who you get to play instead of having to be oh, well, I missed my conference title, but hey, I'm in the playoff. But oh, wait, I got to face somebody who's tougher than anybody I've seen on the schedule. Right. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy because it can just be spun in so many different ways. And uh, I guess, like I said, just like I said a little bit ago, like I guess my whole thing is, is I think, you know, from the big conferences, you know, our major blue blood conferences that uh conference champion ought to, you know, pretty much automatically get in. And, 
as far as like, you know, and I know a lot of advertising, money, business, all that, all that ties in with the different bowl games. And you see how they're working it right now with the two semifinals in the college football playoff. It all rotates between, what is it, the four or five different bowls, the major bowls? The, it rotates between the New Year's Six, which is the Rose, Fiesta, Sugar, Orange, Peach, and Cotton Bowl. Right. And I think that's what they're trying to do with if the newly, like if it gets expanded, is to keep, you know, all that in the bowl system. Instead of having it diminish part of your regular season. For sure. And so, like, what what are your thoughts on this, Peter? Because at first, whenever I kind of heard people talking about this just as an idea, I was, like, shaking my head no. And then the more I think about it, mm, I kind of might be becoming more of a fan of it. I'm not sure. But that would be, they were saying, you know, like, well, if you have a 12-team playoff, you're going to have, how many teams is that going to leave having, like, a first-round bye? Uh I think four, maybe. Right. And my math is adding up right now. Yeah, I know. I'm putting you on the spot. But let's, so, so let's say four teams get a first round bye. But then, like, the, the teams in the first round that play that don't get buys, what if those, what if the higher ranked teams were to have a home game before and then in the next round you get into your New Year's Six Bowls? Would you rather it be like that or would you rather it every single game in the playoff uh, that's played be at a neutral slight? AKA bowl game. You're talking about my opinion or are we talking like, no, I'm talking about, that? I'm talking about your opinion. What would you okay. want to happen? In the perfect world that's in my mind, <laughs> I would like to see a, like a campus game and then get switched to the next round to one of the bowl games. So yeah, like I'm, one of the New Year's. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. So like say, OU finishes, you know, gets the, gets the fifth seed. That would mean that they're playing, oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know. I just had to see brackets and stuff. I can't do it real good off the top of my head. But what I'm getting at is it'd be neat for OU to have to be playing some team in the first round of the playoff. Uh, and I say five because if they are one through four, they'd get the bye, obviously. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's uh, it's something that, you know, it's going to get talked about a lot and debated, and I'm anxious to see – um, you know, the changes in the college football landscape coming up uh, between the playoff and then, of course, the big move from OU Texas to the SEC, which people seem to think for whatever reason is not – we know it's not going to be next season, but a lot of people are thinking it's going to be the season after. But to be honest with you, Peter, at, at this point with what's going on at OU as an OU fan, which I feel really good about Brent Venables and uh, Jeff Lebby and, you know, everything going on there, I'm I'm actually kind of – hoping that it's 2025 before we actually make the move to the SEC because I want Mr. Venables to have three or four good years or even two or three good years of his recruits and his system being developed before we make that move to the SEC. What what are your thoughts on that? I thought about this. I debated about this since it was announced. I mean, I even went on the away games thinking – this might be the last time I see these stadiums, but you know what? I actually would not mind OU to stay until 2025. You know, the, the actual timeline they're supposed to leave just so I can see teams like Cincinnati, BYU, um, UCF, you know, see them come to Neumann. It would make it a lot better and uh, of a schedule instead of having to see the same old teams. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm with you for sure on that because, 
I don't know. It's just, uh, and, and then the other thing that I'm trying to get to, I'm stumbling over my words here, but the other thing that um, is interesting to me, and I'd like to pick your brain and see kind of what, which way you're leaning, is I'm sure you've heard this, but for whatever reason, a lot of people seem to think that once OU and Texas join the SEC and they become, you know, this big, huge, mega power conference, instead of doing like an East and West division, they're talking about doing these pods, which are going to be kind of like your NFL divisions. Now, of course, the college football playoffs not going to play out like your <laughs> NFL playoffs because there's way more conferences to consider. But um, are you more of a fan of doing like the pod where you'll have three other teams that you will be playing home and away with every single year, and then you'll have, you know, you'll be going to Tuscaloosa that won't be in our pod once every four years, and they'll be coming to Norman once every four years. I'm kind of a fan of the pods myself just for that reason, because otherwise, if you have that many teams doing an East and West division, it may be six to eight years that we're at Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I think the pods will work better. Um, just because, like you just said, you know, if you do East and West, you know, you won't see a team like, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Florida. You won't see them coming to Norman for a good five to ten, you know, that five to ten year uh, range. In pods, you know, you would probably have, I want to say, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe you, you'll play Missouri, you'll play um, Texas or, you know, I know Texas and Texas A&M, they don't want to be in the same pod. You basically had OU, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas. You have those in your four pod, but you get to go to College Station. You'll get to go to uh, Tennessee, to the Swamp, to Auburn, LSU. You, you know, you'll have those teams come come to Norman more chances than you will have in this division. Right. And, after, you know, and then the divisions, you'll have – you'll get messy then because – your non-conference slate will get shrunken down even more. Right. You won't get a chance to have a school like, uh, I don't know, a small school like Tulsa come to Norman and have a, a practice game. Because if you do, the, you know, the division, you play one to two teams, then you're jumping into the meat of your schedule. At least in pods, you're able to schedule three to four non-conference, you know, get a good confidence boost before you head into conference play. Absolutely, man. And like, it's kind of funny, but dude, as an OU fan, I am all about the projected pod that we're supposed to be in, which is like you said, uh, Arkansas, Texas, and Missouri, right? And us. So, yeah. and no Texas A&M, which, you know, Texas A&M, <laughs> I don't love going to Kyle Field and playing them. That's a tough place to play. We saw what happened this year when Alabama went down there. And of course, Mr. Manziel, uh, beat Alabama back in 2012 as well, playing at Texas. A Actually, that game might have been in Tuscaloosa, if I remember. It was. Yep. So Texas A&M, they're a very beatable team. I mean, they're one of them programs that they've always been good. But man, they're always sneaky good. They get up for big games. And like I said, I don't particularly love going to Kyle Field and playing because that place is massive. Those cr those fans are crazy there. But I guess we better get used to that because uh, SEC fans are a whole different breed, and those stadiums are big and rocking. Have you been to College Station? I haven't. I was supposed to go with my buddy when we were doing this Big 12 you know, stadium tour back in the day. And then, of course, the next year when we were going to go is when they made the move to the SEC naturally. 
Go figure. <laughs> have you been to College Station? No, but that is a bucket list. Now that I've uh, now that I've seen how far the drive is, you know, it's easy to make it down there. And see, and that's what I'm pumped about, Peter, is that um, obviously we'll have all these fresh new faces and opponents coming to Norman um, out of the SEC. But also, there are a handful of programs that are, you know, a very drivable distance to go watch. You know what I mean? Like you said, the Missouris, which, you know, that we were with them in the Big 12 not long ago, and that's not, you know, the, uh, the biggest bucket list uh, stadium to go to. But to my point, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas A&M, uh, shoot, even uh, LSU. I mean, there's just... Um, some of the more Western SEC teams, we're going to be able to, uh, you know, make those make those drives. It's not going to be like a two or three day drive. We're going to be able to do it in a day, and so that's exciting. And um, to Arkansas, man, I I think that's going to become a semi good rivalry game in a weird way. I'm not talking about rivalry in the sense of Texas or OSU or Nebraska, but you know what I mean. Um, there used to be some good um, OU Arkansas games way back in the day. Basically, be like a sub, like a sub rival, like how OU Missouri used to be back in the day. Oh, absolutely! Because any teams that are in your conference that you face quite often is going to naturally, you know, kind of become a rivalry. So, what do you think about conference realignment? Do you like the idea, or now that you see what the effect of OU and Texas have done, not just in the SEC but also to the Big Twelve, the American? Now you've gone. Now you're reaching down. To like Sun Belt, you know, because it, it, what OU and Texas have done has stretched even down into the SCS. Do you I'm, like the way conference realignment is, or does it kind of bug you a little bit? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and just come right out and admit that uh, my opinion is heavily um, oh, biased because I'm an OU fan. Uh, a lot of people think a lot of us OU fans are crazy for wanting to join the SEC. And I can see that from the standpoint of um, SEC schools looking out, looking at us from afar, getting whooped in the playoff. But I have this theory and this thought and this opinion, and I know so many more agree with me. I think OU is actually going to be better off as far as our total team talent and the recruit, the types of kids that we're going to be bringing in because Recruiting kids and saying you're coming to play with, without a doubt, the absolute best conference in college football, that's enticing, man. These kids, the, the kids that are the absolute best, they want to go play at the highest level in the best conference, and that's without a doubt the SEC. But at the same time that you're getting this higher caliber of athlete and recruit, the competition is obviously going way up too. So... It's just interesting because we have our we have our in-state rivals, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and there's their fans, and there's great OSU fans out there. Don't get me wrong, but the thing that drives me nuts about them is how they want to be like, well, OU's getting whooped in the playoff. What do you think they're going to do when they get to the SEC? Like, look, we get it. You're definitely right. It's way tougher. But what I'm getting at is is okay. So here's what I'm trying to say: twelve team playoff happens. We get in, we don't win the SEC, but we finish like third in the SEC. We get in, I don't know, 11th seed, 10th seed, and OSU wins the Big 12. They go undefeated, they win the Big 12, 
And the way how the seeding and the ranking goes, we got a first-round matchup with Oklahoma State University. We may whoop the snot out of them, even though we have three losses and they're undefeated. And that's because we have way more talent, but the record doesn't really show that because we've been playing in the SEC all season and they've been playing in the Big 12. Am I making sense here? No, you make perfect sense. And so, kind of, I mean, so to answer your question, I'm sorry, Peter, I kind of just, you know, danced all around your question, but to answer your question, as an OU fan, I am definitely pumped up about the conference realignment. And it's kind of one of those things where, like, hmm, sorry, not sorry to all of you, you know, Sunbelt people and all you littler conference. At the end of the day, college football is a business now, all about money, all about revenue. And um, the big boys are going to get to do what they want to do while you other ones are. But in a way, though, Peter, a lot of these smaller conference teams, they should kind of like this because now you have your BYUs of the world, your UCFs, and uh, what are the other two teams, Cincinnati and who coming to the Big 12? That may not have happened. That wouldn't have happened, obviously, if OU and Texas weren't moving to the SEC. I think that was flirted upon maybe about – five, six years ago, and that's actually one of the reasons why, which a lot of these people don't understand, one of the reasons why OU is actually leaving, um, OU was wanting to expand, wanting the Big 12 to expand. They were wanting to add Houston or, you know, Memphis or, you know, B. They were wanting that to happen for the Big 12, but I guess it was voted down upon, and ever since then, it's always been, you know, yeah, you can be on TV and tell somebody, yeah, we're good. But behind the scenes, you're making phone calls to the SEC, to the Pac-12, to the Big Ten, trying to say, hey, get me out of here. Absolutely, man. And that's, like I said, I have a lot of friends that are Oklahoma State fans, have even family that are Oklahoma State fans. And I love you guys to death, and I'm not talking about... I condolences about, for that one. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not talking about every single one of you OSU fans out there listening to me right now. But, I mean, I'm sorry, but at the, sorry, not sorry. At the end of the day, college football, like I just said a little bit ago, is a business. It's all about revenue, um, playing times. OU hardly ever gets any primetime games. It's just ridiculous being a blue blood like that. And, uh, yeah, so there was a lot of that kind of politicking stuff going on in the decision as well, so... I don't know, man. I'm just excited about college football in general between OU and Texas moving to the SEC uh, and between um, the you know possible college football playoff expansion. Um, we haven't been doing this NIL stuff and this transfer portal stuff long enough for me to really figure out without making a knee-jerk you know, reaction if I just hate it or I love it or if I'm just kind of somewhere in between. So far, what are you? What are your feelings on NIL and uh, transfer portal? NIL has been going on for a long time. It I mean, just never was public. Right, <laughs> it was always done behind the scenes. Shady, shady, shady. <laughs> look at uh, let's look at what's happened with SMU, and let's look what happened with Miami, USC with Reggie Bush. NIL has been going on for a long time. It just was never as public as it is right now. Well, that's but when it comes when it comes to the transfer portal. To me, I still don't have enough knowledge to, to really say if I like it or not. I'm kind of in the middle. Well, that's the thing is we don't have a big enough sample size yet to really make a real informed or, I don't know, educational you know decision yet whether we like it. Because I tell you what, Peter, 
whenever some of OU's best players just transfer out to other schools, we, we don't like it. But guess what happens whenever we land some really good players from the transfer portal? We're not griping about it then, are we? No. We weren't mad about Jalen Hurts coming over. Mm, well, maybe you kinda, were. I was kind of indifferent just because I know he's a good quarterback, but then I know he has his flaws too. Well, absolutely. Not, not saying – not saying any other quarterback that was before Jalen Hurts wasn't the same either. Um, I mean, I mean, look at Baker and look at Kyler. I mean, they came from different schools, and we all love them for that. Oh yeah, well, and that's and poor Jalen. Yeah, go ahead. I think sorry. the reason why Jalen doesn't get the same credibility is because I don't think he he didn't win the Heisman like Baker and Kyler. Dude, that's the reason why. Absolutely, and that's. I mean, dude, that's the whole thing is I think Jalen was a phenomenal college quarterback, but the problem was is that he just happened to come in right after Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and that can happen, man. Sometimes players can get really underappreciated. I think OU fan base has gotten extremely spoiled to great quarterback play. Um, And so, yeah, man, I mean, we could talk for hours about OU quarterback play, the Spencer Rattler stuff, the Caleb Williams stuff. I need Caleb Williams to make a decision. I'm getting tired of um, him kind of holding us hostage in a sense. Um, What are your feelings about him real quick? Let's talk just a little bit about Mr. Williams. He played just like I think any other true freshman would have played. You know, has a great game in OU Texas is known because of that, but also he has his lackluster games like Baylor, then OSU, and then also, you know, it it's kind of hard because just the way this season was, it all wasn't just on Caleb, but it also is, you know, hey, we didn't know that homeboy out in California was going to start talking to USC back in September. Right, and right. How, how are we supposed to know that? And then after a while, it's like, you know, it kind of makes sense why OU struggled this year. Right, right. And, uh-oh, Peter, do you hear that? You've got mail. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Hey, Vato, man, check your mail. So Robert from Anadarko actually contacted us, and he says, I have a topic for you. Thought this was the perfect time to do this because it's regarding Caleb Williams, OU quarterback. He said, my topic is OU quarterback Caleb Williams holding OU hostage. Make a damn decision. If he can't by now, then he do- if he can't make a decision by now, then he doesn't love the university anyways, and I don't want anybody like that anymore. He's making it hard on us because if he bails now, we missed out on decent transfers. Peter, your thoughts on that comment? Well, shout out to Robert for the question. But to me, I'm a realistic OU fan. If we keep him, if he stays, that's cool. If he leaves, that's his decision. I am not going to lose sleep over it. There's going to be plenty of people in, plenty of quarterbacks in the country I would love to be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma. Absolutely. Um, to me, it's like, if he leaves, cool. If he stays, cool. Either way, I am not losing sleep over Caleb Williams. Right. I like him as a player, but I got other things to worry about what his decision is. 
Absolutely, and, and kind of reading between the lines of what Robert's saying, I think that he's right there in the exact same boat as you. I think what he's saying is, is like, look, man, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Like, literally, we can get quarterbacks who actually want to be here. And so, like, I, I agree with him, and I agree with you. Uh, I just <laughs> – Obviously, we're going to be better off next year immediately if we have Caleb Williams than if we don't have him. Because at this point, let's just say that here on it is January 2nd now, we're after midnight uh, as we're recording this. But let's just say that um, Caleb Williams makes the decision tomorrow and he says, Man, going to USC, going to play for old Tebow who recruited me. That's what me and my parents decided to do. What would be the best path for me is to get to the NFL is to play for old Tebow. Uh, out there in you know western part of the United States, and um, so our quarterback then, unless I'm just totally wrong, or we I don't know how this transfer portal works about how late we can get transfers, but I'm pretty sure it would be old. What's his first name? Nick Nick Evers, the recruit that we picked up, the four star. Is that how that would I go believe, down? I believe so, unless we get somebody you know after the season ends. Because I believe you can still transfer if you have eligibility left, you know, or if you have, like, I think if you're about to be a senior or have already graduated. See, I'm not for sure on that. But I believe if you're, if you have, like, eligibility left, you can transfer and not have to sit out. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So, anyways. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. I believe that's how it is. Absolutely. And that's what, man, I, I should make a disclaimer before every single podcast. Like, people, I'm telling you, I know I'm not an expert on anything, but these are my opinions and this is what I know. And when I'm not sure, just like Peter just did, I'm going to say don't quote me on that or I'm not promising you anything. So, um, what I'm getting at, though, is we're obviously going to be better off next year having Caleb Williams be our quarterback than Nick Evers. But... I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either because I agree with Robert, man. I really do. Like, if you do not want to be here, then we don't want you here because we don't want to play this little game every single offseason. And I understand that it was a unique circumstance. Like, if Lincoln Riley was still here, oh, my gosh, Peter, I said his name. I didn't want to do that. If Tebow was still here, um, th this wouldn't even <laughs> – this wouldn't even be a thought in Caleb Williams' mind to leave if old Tebow was still here because that's who recruited him, and he started at quarterback, and he's going to start next year. So I get it that there's a that there this is a unique situation and why so many kids have left uh, with Tebow or went up, went elsewhere, but um, I don't know, man. Like I, I agree with Robert, I totally do. I'm on board with Robert's statement. We just need him because. Um, like kind of like how he touched on the recruits, man. There could be kids that are like, I'm not going to OU if Caleb Williams doesn't go there because that dude's a stud and he's going to lead us to the playoff. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm just, I just wish he would make up his decision. And dude, he has every single right in the world to, you know, think about it, ponder on it, and make a decision that's going to be what he feels is best for him and his future in football. But dude, this ain't like, were some like I don't know, UTEP or something that somehow got Caleb Williams and <laughs> dude, this is OU man. That's a blue blood, uh, known for really good quarterback play recently. And a lot of people say because of Tebow. And I'm not saying that I don't think he's a great offensive mind and a great quarterback coach because he is. But man, evidence does kind of show that OU ever since he was handed this big shiny Cadillac of a program from Bob Stoops in '16. 
it's it's evident that the the team's kind of I don't know kind of not been as good year by year. It seems like. And it was it was the 2017 team, which was Stoops' team was probably the main one that would have won the national title. Ever since then, it's all been homeboys team, his recruits. Um, and it, it, I agree with you that it has gone down every single year to where, uh, you know, 11 and two season this year is considered a bad season, but it's because it's the way they played all year from the start game against Tulane to Bedlam. We have not played. We have not progressed. We haven't done anything worth being recognized as a top team in the nation. And, but I, but I think I really do wish Caleb will say, because he doesn't have to worry about Spencer Rattler, you know, breathing down his back. I mean, Caleb even said in a podcast with Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis that, you know, they weren't, they weren't friends. Right. I mean, they're teammates, but they're not friends. They're not the best friends. They're not going to go hang out at the, at the skating rink at the bowling alley. You don't have to worry about that now. You, this is your team. Absolutely. You can go next year and say, hey, I'm taking the reins. Let's go. You don't have to worry about somebody that is going to be sitting on the sidelines or having their, you know, their parents say, oh, well, my son ain't happy because he got benched. <laughs> He's in South Carolina now. You don't got to worry about that. Dude, absolutely. And not to mention, how much of an absolute legend will he be And as far as his popularity among Sooner Nation, the fans, if he decides to stay? Because, yeah, everybody loves him anyways because of the talent that he is. But just the fact that he would stay after a coaching change and thing like that, I just think he would forever be one of the absolute all-time favorites at the University of Oklahoma. Um, kids got <laughs> – I don't have to tell you guys this, man. The kids got so much talent, got so much upside, and, uh, man, there's no doubt about it. I definitely want him to stay. I'm going to be upset if he decides he needs to leave, but at the end of the day, I understand it's his decision. He's a human being. He's got to consider everything, got to weigh everything, and I'll definitely wish him the best of luck in the future if he decides to leave, but just as a greedy OU fan – obviously want Mr. Williams to uh, to stay, man. And I don't know, man. College football is crazy now. He needs to realize this. And also, Tebow does. They're in L.A. L.A. is a bigger market than Norman, Oklahoma. Bigger market than Oklahoma City. They need to realize that if they have one bad game against, say, a team like, oh, geez, what's a bad team in the Pac-12? Uh, uh, Washington State, or no, let's go to Oregon State. They have one bad, or Colorado. We'll go with Colorado. They've mm-hmm. been bad since they joined. If they I have hate. one bad game against them, that LA media is gonna rip them all apart, dude. I I think I think Tebow's in for it too. He doesn't really realize it yet how those donors out there are so much more cutthroat and like, whatever, man. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's gonna be. Very interesting to see, you know, how that how that plays out. I think I just want him to – I'm greedy, man. This is greedy Sooner fan Dylan. I want Caleb Williams to stay, but uh, just not certain on what he'll do. Man, Peter, not trying to shift gears really hard here, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're pretty deep in this podcast. Want to start to, you know, kind of getting it wrapped up a little bit. Um, this is kind of something I don't know if I've ever – I don't recall ever talking to you this – before I've talked to some of my buddies about it, 
So it's been a pretty heavy OU podcast. Apologize for you fans out there. Or fans. You got you listeners, you audience. I don't like calling people fans. My goodness, Dylan. <laughs> Anyways, the audience out there, if you don't give a flip about OU, I apologize. Don't uh, don't write my podcast off because I'm gonna have a guy on at some point where we're talking about snakes. Where we're I'm gonna have a guy. We're gonna have people talking about cameras, drones, all kinds of stuff. So like that's the whole point of this podcast. But I know it's been very uh, sports heavy and very OU heavy. But that's just what this podcast is, man. My man Peter here, big sports fans, got a lot in common. Easy to talk to him about this stuff. So that's what we're doing on this podcast. Had to throw that little caveat in there, but. What I'm getting at, Peter, is just keeping it on, you know, OU. So, I have this thought and this idea that I have invented in my head, and I have become a very huge proponent of it, big supporter of it, not just because I invented it, but just because I just think it would be damn cool, man. OU Texas, game is in Dallas every year. Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. It's been marketed and coined different things throughout the years. Um, Basically, the halfway point between Norman and Austin. Actually, I don't know, two or three miles closer to Norman than it is Austin. Tribute to how huge of a state Texas is. Anyways, I don't want to ever switch that game to where it's not at a neutral site. But... I think it would be really cool, Peter, if the very first two years of every decade, so every, you know, so like, let's, what are we, uh, 2022? So basically, this would have happened in 2020 and 2021. I wish that they would do a deal to where in 2020, Texas would come to Norman and play a home game at Norman, then in 2021... OU would have went down to Austin and played a home game there, and then the rest of the other eight years, Dallas, Red River rivalry. I think that'd be super cool because as an OU fan, I want to see Texas fans experience the the OU game day, the vibe, the tailgating, all that. And as an OU fan, I want to go down to Austin and experience that too because let's just face it, we're, we don't get to experience each other's home uh, you know, our home stadiums and the vibe and the atmosphere. What do you think about that, man? You think that's just a terrible idea? Not a terrible idea. It'd be different um, to the traditionalists. <laughs> You're going to drive them up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. But to me, um, I would worry about my my own safety going down to Austin wearing OU. I can handle it going down to the Cotton Bowl because it's evenly it's evenly divided. If I'm going down to Austin, Texas, wearing OU, I better be prepared to have a lot of Texas fans, you know, in the general <laughs> general area of you know getting close to my face. And of course, you know, it's going to be the same way if they come to Norman too. Right. I like the idea. I would just be worried about. I'd be worried about visiting team for whatever they go to well and peter your point is well taken i i understand exactly what you're saying and i actually agree with you i know i know what you're saying but dude you know who hates ou worse than texas though right oklahoma state they hate they hate us way more than texas hates us and we have to go to stillwater i don't care what anybody says 
OSU fans hate OU fans more than I I've always had this theory that OU hates Texas more than any other team. Texas hates Texas A&M more than any other team and OSU Agreed. hates OU more than any other team. Agreed. But so what I'm getting at there is like yeah, you're no doubt about it. You're going to have that to where you go down to Austin, Texas wearing OU gear uh could get a little crazy, but dude, that that's all over the nation, man. That's Alabama, Auburn, you know. Uh who else are you Florida, uh, Florida, Miami, Florida State, Florida, Miami, Florida. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that those heated Ohio State, Michigan. Think about all the uh Michigan Wolverines going into Columbus or vice versa going into Ann Arbor. I mean, that's just part of sports, man, and that's just that's kind of what makes it fun, but I understand, like you said, the hardcore traditionalists are not going to go for that. But I, I just, dude, even if they just did it one time, man, I just think it would be really cool to see to have a chance to experience the atmosphere in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask, let me ask you this one then. Would you want to see one game? I mean, we've already seen it being played at Jerry's World. Would you want to see an actual OU Texas Red River game played there? No, and see, I'm I definitely draw the line there. I'm not a fan of that because I like the tradition of the State Fair of Texas being at the Cotton Bowl. Is Jerry World a million times better, nicer stadium with all the bells and whistles than the Cotton Bowl in kind of a rough area of Dallas? Absolutely, it is. But I that's the traditional is is as a contradictive as it may sound because I'm sitting there saying, well, let's just change this up and have a home and away with Texas at the first of every decade. I when I kind of draw the line there is like, you know what? If it happens that we play Texas again in a rematch in the Big 12 championship at Jerry World, great. But let's not mess with uh, the neutral regular season game being anywhere other than um, Dallas if or, you know, the Cotton Bowl if we're doing neutral site. What do you think? Do you want to see them play the Red River rivalry at, at Jerry World? I want to see, for one time in my life, a prime time OU Texas. I know it will not happen at the State Fair because of the drinking and worried about security and all that. <laughs> but if you were going to have a prime time OU Red River game, have it at Jerry's World. You know, it's enough security there to keep everybody calm, bigger venue. And uh, that's all I got to say on that one. Gotcha, man. Well, hey, I mean, like, I'm not going to hate the idea. And you know what? I think maybe inevitably that game is going to get moved there. It may be 10 years in the future. It may be 30 years in the future. But that 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 stadium's old at the Cotton Bowl. And, yeah, I realize that they've made several, you know, upgrades and renovations to it to keep it more current and everything like that. But I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand – well – you just said it, but I just hate it how it's always an 11 a.m. kickoff, man. And it's like you said, a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of the drinking and stuff and all that. But uh, heck, man, you mean to tell me that there ain't Alabama and Auburn games in prime time? That there's not, you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of heated rivalry games that are in prime time for good reason. And I just think it's an absolute shame that OU Texas is never one of them for whatever reason. True, true. So, uh, man, Peter, um, before we wrap this thing up, I'm going to hand the uh, the host hat that I've been wearing over to you. Is there anything that you kind of want to bring up and talk about before we uh, sign off here on the debut episode of the Dylan Young Show podcast? 
Yeah. Do you have any questions about what I do at my job? Man, dude, I could uh, have a million questions for you and keep you on here for another two or three hours. Uh, what I mean by that is <laughs> I have a little vinyl cutter and uh, a heat press, and that's my extent of knowledge of uh, apparel production. And uh, as far as like uh, the screen printing and the embroidery and all the things like that that you do and have knowledge of, I don't know anything about it. I really don't need to know because I don't really ever plan on, you know, buying um, screen printing stuff or embroidery stuff here to do. Um, I, yeah, I would love to have that stuff just to make my own stuff, but I'm never planning on getting in the business of it, you know, to make money and things like that. So, but I would, dude, I would love at some point if, uh, if I ever get a chance, maybe in the summer when I'm off from my full-time job, I'd love to come hang out with you sometime there and just kind of check you out and see what all you do, man. Deal. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it, and we'll have no problem talking sports and everything, just like we did tonight, man. Well, let me tell you this. When it comes to the type of work I do, uh, it's good to have a good background in being a people person. <laughs> because you'll have random people come into – I'll have random people come into the store, talk about whatever. I'll have the occasional person that comes and looks around, takes off. But it's always good to be a people person there. Oh, I can imagine. And that's that's got to be kind of tough sometimes for you, I could imagine. But at the end of the day, as like, quote-unquote, manager, the, you know, like the overseer of the shop, the person who takes care of everything, you absolutely have to have those people skills because anytime you're doing with the general public and clients who, where that saying, like I mentioned earlier, the customer is always right, comes into play, you have to be a people person. Because uh, if you're not, that you're not going to last in that job very often. Uh, believe me, I know I haven't done like a whole lot of customer service type work, but I have been a public relations uh, officer and director uh, for the Delaware Nation in the past. And then right now I do communications and marketing at a technology center. And so, you know, I have to deal with, you know, people, but mainly just coworkers, not so much the general public and clients. No, and I appreciate you sending the the Votech out my way too for the custom design you you gave to me to put on shirts. For I sure, appreciate that very much. Yeah, and I hope I hope that we weren't a pain in the butt. I hope we were a good client. No, no, you were good. Like I like I said earlier, you kept it simple, two colors, worked out just fine. Hey man, um, I got you. I understand you. I know how you, I know how you work. Yeah, and I've seen the stuff you've made too, and I'm pretty sure you get once you put it out there. I'm pretty sure you get people telling you, "Hey, man, uh, Dylan, can I get one of those? Dylan, can you think you can make me one of those really fast?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny? Like um, you know, so so you might have a a plumber asking you that, uh, Peter. Hey man, you give me hook me up with them shirts. Well, you need to turn right around that plumber and say, "Well, you know what, man, my toilet's been acting a little funny. How about you come out tomorrow night and fix it for free, buddy?" I mean, it's the same thing, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> People got to realize, man, like this is what we're doing to make a living. And I uh, mean, don't get me wrong, as evident, and I'm throwing you in the boat with me here, Peter. As evident, we like to, you know, do our fair share of uh, community service and volunteerism. Uh, you know, just like we do with Warrior Nation. There ain't nobody paying us or making us you know, film games and make highlight videos and tweet the scores and take, do the live streaming videos like you do. But um, we just do it because we want to do it. My main reason I do that kind of stuff is because I wish that I had videos and content like that 
you know, from back in the day when I used to play baseball. There ain't nothing like that other than the yearbook pictures, that black and white yearbook pictures, you know what I mean? So uh, I think it's one of, them th- one of those things that these kids in high school were doing this for. I know that they appreciate it, but I promise you, 20 years from now, they will appreciate it more than they could ever imagine. Oh, yeah, because that's what I usually do with uh, a lot of the old yearbook pictures I can find is I try to recreate some of the old school logos that were used back when we were in school and maybe even before we were in school just to put it out there so people can say, hey, I remember that. Hey, that was used when I was in school. You know, just to give people that good, that kind of that warm feeling of the good old days. Right, right. I hear you, man, and that's a uh, that's a good. Uh, I, I like that idea a lot, man. I'm a big sucker and fan for nostalgia, throwback logos and business, uh, you know, logos and signs and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, anyways, Peter, do you hear that? Well, it's time for one more thing. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Just one more. One more thing, Peter, before I let you go, as we wrap this up, I just simply want to know, I need you to give me OU's record in football next season. Go. 12-1. and 12-1. and Are we talking Big 12 title or just regular season? Um, I guess, I guess conference championship in with it. So you're predicting we're going to – Go to the conference championship and get beat? Or are you saying we're gonna have a we're gonna stumble somewhere in the regular season and still win a Big Twelve championship? We're gonna stumble somewhere in the season, but we're gonna win the Big Twelve title. Gotcha, so, man. Thirteen and one, yeah, thirteen and one. Well, I tell you what, Peter, I hope that that stumble is not in Lincoln because I'm gonna do everything I can to get me and my dad tickets to go to that game next year. No, I think it will be against Texas. I, I. Don't want to say Texas is going to be back, but I think that game is always a coin toss. Dude, you're not lying. And, I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, Bedlam's kind of like that, although we usually do end up pulling it off more so than we do against Texas. But, dude, that's what makes uh, college football and sports in general so beautiful is the rivalry games. You can throw records and talent and a lot of things out the window. So, well, man, Peter, I tell you what, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you, chit-chatting with you this evening. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. And so I just want to thank you for taking the time, letting us kind of know what you do for a living, and uh, sharing some of your information on sports with us, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, be happy to come back anytime you want me to, man. Awesome, man. Well, Peter, uh, we'll holler at you later, buddy. All right, sounds good. And there you have it, folks. Peter Belgard, uh, man, just a uh, you know buddy that I've met, man. Just uh, common, you know. We live in the same town, live our city. It's a city, okay. Population's big enough to where it is classified as a city. Uh, like I said, Peter and I have a lot of common interest, being that uh, you know he's a graphic designer, um, creative, all that good stuff. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think I'm not saying it's how Peter and I met, but. Uh, this is a story for another day, but back in the day, I was messing around and designing some uh, football helmet design concepts. So you know how like the University of Oregon has all these crazy concepts and all that? Well, I was started doing that for NFL teams, and uh, my buddy, Joe C., um, who probably is never going to listen to my podcast, except for the one that he's going to be on in the future, um, he actually submitted them to Reddit, and they blew up. 
And uh, no lie, my concept helmets for the NFL uh, ended up on Sports Nation, which was a show on ESPN. And uh, that was really crazy. And then they were on NFL.com, uh, on ESPN.com. I mean, <laughs> Sports, Pinner, Sports Center's webpage, their social media stuff was on Snapchat, on ESPN Snapchat. Um, I got called by a radio station in Florida to talk about the UCF helmet that I designed. And probably the coolest thing, that, well, not the coolest thing, but it's very neat, that happened was I had um, Kent State University's athletic department call me, and they actually paid for my intellectual property that was the Kent State University football helmet design concept that I came up with. And they still use that design to this day. This was like 2016 that this all went down. And... Uh, it's not the exact same colors that I uh, designed the Kent State helmet to be, but it's the exact same layout and use of the logo on the helmet. So, man, all that was very surreal. Sorry I kind of got off the beaten path there, but the point is is um, that all kind of went down. Then Peter um, designed this Anadarko logo that I thought was really neat, and I put that on a helmet, and then that was kind of at the point where Peter and I kind of start started talking, uh, you know, on a semi-regularly basis, and so... Uh, yeah, man, we, uh, we've had talk in the past about him possibly getting on my old podcast. Never happened. Uh, old podcast just, like I said, didn't really go where I wanted it to. So we're rebooting it, starting all over. And I had Peter on episode one of the Dylan Young Show. Tell you what, guys, that's going to do it for me. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Please be sure that you are subscribing to it, hitting the little bell notification icon to never miss any future, you know, uploads, uh, depending on what platform you listen to your podcast on. Uh, I am on Anchor FM, I am on Spotify, and I am on Apple Podcasts. So appreciate the support, appreciate you guys listening. Hope everybody has a terrific 2022. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. you have a question for Dylan? If so, you can email me anytime at the Dylan Young Show at gmail.com. There are one of two ways to go about submitting a question. Number one, you can go straight old school and just type a question and I will read it on an upcoming episode and answer the question. Just be sure to include your name and your city or town of residence so I can shout you out. Number two is much cooler though. And that would be to record yourself saying whatever you want, including your question and attaching the file to email. I will then play the recording on the show and answer the question. Just be sure to start the voice memo off with your name and city or town of residence, then follow it up with whatever you have to say. So get at me, people. The show is better when you are a part of it. Again, that email is thedillonyoungshow at gmail.com. Do it.